Hello and welcome to uh, this episode of Tomlin's Harmonica Podcast. So this is uh, the first of a new segment that I'm trying out where I actually get a lesson from some of my uh, favorite harmonica players and harmonica teacher friends. Um, So this week I'm going to be getting a lesson from uh, the awesome Hank Shreve and we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about different approaches to improvisation and uh, he'll be giving me some uh, some cool ideas for improving my improvisation and just giving me some new things to to think about and uh, there is so much actionable stuff in in this episode I think you'll absolutely love it and uh, let's uh, let's get started right now All right, we are good to go. Um, So, Hank, I really want to chat to you about improvisation today. Um, (laughs) You know, just a small, small topic. Um, I'm really interested whenever I uh, I chat to uh, harmonica teachers and players in this this sounds super nerdy, but what their improvisational paradigm is. Um, So. Yeah, how do you? We'll probably start quite broad and maybe go deeper. Um, but how how do you think about improvising? Yeah, well, you're probably not going to like this immediate answer, but the trick is really not to think. And you know, it's one that we've probably all heard before. You know, oh, don't think when you play. You know, if you're thinking, you're not playing. It's very true. You know, but you also it's also hard to kind of get to that point too. So. What I've kind of do, I've always viewed musical improvisation, improvisa- improvisation, <laughs> it's very early here, sorry folks, <laughs> um, but I've always viewed musical improv just like kind of com- comedic improv, because the number one rule in comedic improv is to always say yes, right? And- I mean, like, and yes, exactly, <laughs> see, see, because what that does is that it keeps the conversation moving. And just, you know, just an example of someone were to uh, set up a joke, you know, and just say, hey, did you hear about this? And the the other person would go, no, then it's shut down. It's just, you know, it's done. It's not funny. And there's the chances of it getting funnier (laughs) are or there being a punchline are kind of screwed now, you know, and really it's the same thing in music. You know, you always want to. Keep your mind kind of clear in the moment, in the in the zone, obviously, and also always kind of say yes, even if you play a lick that you're not really crazy about or like, oh, darn it, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to, you know, mm-hmm. um, just keep it moving, you know, so like just an example, you know, I'm, I'm just going to play off the cusp of right now, I'm probably going to make mistakes, but oh, well, here we go. <laughs> Keep going. 
So anyway, just like I was trying not to think about what I was playing at all. And it wasn't my best playing, which is, you know, I'm okay with, right? So it's just kind of like, it's almost like a kind of like a meditation type of Mm -hmm. deal. You know, you just kind of have to leave your body in a sense, you know, and um, yeah, just kind of, just kind of keep it going as best as, as best as you can. So that's, um, yeah, that's, I think that's the the bulk of it. So yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's interesting though, because you're saying that you're not thinking um, and and I, I definitely believe you. And I also know what that feels like from an improvisation standpoint, but mm-hmm. I, I heard a chord progression under there. Uh, right. you, you were clearly thinking about, well, not thinking, but you knew where you were. Yes. Yeah. No, that, thank you. I'm glad you asked that because, yeah, that was a part I, I meant to talk about. Yeah. So if I am thinking about anything when I'm playing, it's really, I'm not really like thinking, you know, hard. I'm not going like, okay, this is the one chord, one chord, one chord, one chord, four chord, four chord, you know, Mm because then it's going to sound like that and it's going to sound wooden and uninteresting and just underwhelming and probably bad. Um, So, (laughs) but like you say, yes, I, what I am doing is I'm kind of imagining, because I'm playing solo. I'm not Mm -hmm. playing with a backing track or anything. So, I'm imagining a groove, so a shuffle. I'm imagining like a walking bass line, preferably an upright bass in this situation. See earlier, I was I was playing a song that had a six two five one progression in it, so that I have that stuck in my head now. So that's also re- the the thing is like sometimes when you really immerse yourself in a certain song or a certain kind of music, that kind of stuff will just kind of come out of you um, mm-hmm. at certain times. But anyway, to, yeah, just going back to your question, that's kind of I'm just like really using my imagination, you know, mm-hmm. and just. <laughs> You know, we all had we had imaginary friends as kids. You know, I'm kind of like I'm having imaginary bandmates around me, and that's kind of what I'm envisioning. So, um, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, I, I I totally get it. I totally get it. I guess I'm kind of I I'm interested in how how you would practice that. Like what what? So uh, let's let's go very specific a moment, because um, I am I'm really bored with what I do over the five chord. Um, gotcha. So like I I'm I'm kind of stuck in this kind of. I I kind of nice. I always get there, like whatever happens in the first eight bars. I, I, there's some variation on that, um, mm-hmm. and and I really liked what you were playing over the the five chord. Um, I feel like you you weren't you weren't quite so arpeggio based. Um, so do you have some cool ideas for for me to to shake things up there? Yeah, sure. Well, I just want to say though, uh, nothing wrong with arpeggios though, because arpeggios do sound very musical and kind of melodic you know 
Um, so there's not ever, I don't think there's everything, anything wrong with arpeggios, also known as broken chords to those piano players of you, you know, listening out there. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess the, my thing is I like to, I like to do a lot of octave jumping and, uh, some of my students will know that cause I talk a lot about, you know, just how to, you know, get between, you know, certain octaves in cool ways. Um. So going back to the source real quick, I got a lot of my ideas from Paul DeLay, once again, you know. Who's, <laughs> who's he? <laughs> I know. Like every uh, interview I've done with Tomlin, Paul DeLay comes up at least once or twice. So, um, but yeah, Paul DeLay, um, even when he wasn't on the five chord, though, he would work these cool little octaves. Like here's kind of like a, uh, oh, uh a borrowed <laughs> interpretation of a Paul DeLay lick. Um, let's see. So jumping between, you know, hole one and hole four, you can do it pucker, you can do it tongue block, it doesn't matter, you know. Blow, and then bend, draw, and then it's the same lick on hole number four. And then what, where you can get creative, too, is like you can kind of, you can go up on one. Or the other way, if you prefer, you know. So I know to some of you listening out there that might, well, that's just kind of silly. That's not really, you know, that much. But go back and listen to the way Paul did it. And you'll really hear some, you know, some cool stuff like... um the song called uh, It Isn't Easy Being Big. He does it uh, quite frequently throughout the song. There's a lot of other songs that he does it too. But uh, anyway, yeah, so that's a, that's, that's a suggestion I would give is kind of fooling with, um, you know, different octave jumping type of licks, you know, um, <clears throat> stuff like that. Also, the other thing too is... Uh, kind of goes with arpeggiating a little bit but it's a little different um when you go to the five chord you can think of it like you're playing in third position just for like one bar you know or you can do it on the lower octave too So just little, little things like that, because mm -hmm. that'll that'll help you kind of get away from arpeggiating all the time, because that is the one problem with, or not really problem, and an issue, is that arpeggiating can become kind of a, a crutch or a habit. Mm -hmm. It can become very habitual. You know, you find yourself doing it. Like this one lick, you know, kind of a lick that you were doing a second ago. <laughs> now, that lick, I have to be very careful because, like, <laughs> I just it's such a cool lick and it's mm -hmm. it's one of the best ways to get from low to high you know you know it just it's great so anyway yeah <laughs> but I think that's really interesting because you know the one of the things with the harmonica is that it's not immediately easy to get from one location to another location so a lot of Absolutely. the licks that that people play readily are the ones that 
that kind of play into that. So it's hole to hole to hole to hole. So if you can force yourself to to make jumps, uh, like the... <laughs> that That's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I like that as an idea, and it's something that I don't do enough uh, unless I'm doing uh, something that's like a bass line, uh, and mm-hmm. like a box shuffle or something, like a kind of... that kind of thing but then that's a a sort of set idea so i like the idea of taking a lick and trying to get it get it higher up uh i guess a question i have for you is that's super easy holes one to four what what do you do do you do that kind of thing when you jump up higher into the next octave yeah totally yeah there's um it's not laid out the same up there though (laughs) No, yeah, there's like, so I have a couple of exercises. Um, I've talked about them, uh, I think, on Facebook before, too. So some of you out there might recognize these. But um, pick a lick, any lick at all. Um, so my my go-to is the one draw, then two full bend, then two draw. It's a great guitar lick, too. It's also, you know... It's just one of those awesome licks. So anyway, moving on. You know. You can also do a couple of major type ones too. Ah, okay. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, getting carried away. But so, yeah, things like that. You have to kind of come up with just little exercises, you know, and treat them like a scale. That's really the thing, you know, kind of treat them like a scale at first, you know. Extra note in there, sorry. But you know what? Extra notes aren't always bad because they can give you another idea. So, um, and also, <clears throat> just quick tab of all this. So I tabbed out the the lower octave. Middle octaves, four draw, five draw, six blow. And then up at the top, it's eight draw, nine draw. There's the change. Nine nine draw and then nine blow. But what's cool, though, is that if we do accidentally hit seven draw... It's actually the same as, you know, three draw. So it's not a terrible mistake, you know, it, mm-hmm. you can make it work, you know. Um, then also not forgetting, you know, once you start messing with other tunings, then you can also, that opens up another couple of doors, like, you know, like the Todd Parrott tuning um, and also a couple others are kind of cool for that, you know, doing kind of like running up through the octaves and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. That's cool. So, uh, Remind me, Todd Parrott tuning, is that, uh, is the seven down a semitone? Correct. I, yeah, yeah. Seven draw. Yeah. Tune down. Yeah. So, which is cool. Cause, uh, um, that is cool. I have, I have one laying around somewhere. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, so but, do you use a lot of, uh, alternative tuning when you're playing live with your band? 
Um, just from a couple of songs. Like, uh-huh. so um, I've got an original song that I use a G country tune, country tuning on. So that's where the five draw is up a semitone. Yes, up a semitone. <laughs> Since I play backwards, I get, <laughs> I get a mix up. Of Which is nice because you get a major seven chord if mm-hmm. you need. Doesn't work in blues, but they are really lovely sounding, I think. Mm. This is cool too because you can play if you do four, five, and six draw. You can get a triad. So, yeah, I use that one on a song called What You Gonna Do. Like I say, it's an original song. That's the intro, and then on the turnaround parts, uh, you can hear, you know, I go up. But it's very country sounding, or, you know, kind of gospel sound. It's very major, so probably don't want to use that in blues, just saying, you know. Um, So there's that one, and also I use, of course, it's not in this box right here gosh darn it but i also use because <laughs> i play uh, on the road again by uh, can't mm-hmm. heat and that one is kind of a cool tune and that's where your six draw is tuned up also six draw is tuned up uh semitone and it's on an a harp so your six draw on an a harp is an f sharp mm-hmm. and so yeah it gives you a g so that's also a you know a flat third or sharp nine for those of you keeping track but <laughs> <laughs> Very stuff, but yeah. So no, those are the tunings that I use. I like those. Um, I like minor tunings for you know chordal kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, those are kind of a bummer though because not every minor song has uh, like there's a four chord. Sometimes the four chord is a dominant chord, mm-hmm. which means it has a major third in it. So you gotta be gotta be kind of careful with that. But yeah. Um, but they're not a necessity though. You know, I think you can get a lot done without you know with just standard tuning you know so but they are cool they can give you some other ideas it's just like different tunings on guitar really mm-hmm. you you know you want to they're cool but you know you don't you can you don't want to overuse them also yeah. you know so but no definitely um so something else that i heard and you chatted about it a little bit just then the, the idea of being careful when using major but i i definitely mm-hmm. heard uh, some some switches when you were playing. I, I felt like you were maybe playing more major pentatonic notes over the one chord and then you switched yes. a bit more blues scale over the four chord. Uh, yes. Is that something that you have consciously practiced or has that just kind of felt quite natural? Yeah, it's become kind of a natural thing. And also that's actually a great tip too for um, how to improvise too because... Um, and it, really, it also depends on what song you're playing also, you know, for number one. But when I'm playing by myself, though, um, I try to stay, you know, start off kind of major, you know, mm-hmm. more on the major side. And then as, you know, I try, you know, as, you know, the longer I play, you know, probably about the, let's say the fourth or fifth time around or whatever, you know, I want to try to start building tension, you know, because improvising musically you want to think of it like you're telling a good story the story has to have a good intro has to have a good you know body has to have a good middle part and it has to build it has to build and there could be many things along the way there could be humor 
There could be maybe a few tears. You never know, uh, you know, <laughs> and um, just all sorts of you can take, you know, and you can take everybody on a ride, really. Um, but so then anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking. So I start off kind of major. Little blues speckled here and there, just like a little peppering. And then, so then the longer I play, then I'll get more, more bluesy, you It's kind of like the opposite. Like I start off with more major, just kind of with like little speckles of blues here and there. And then the more time goes by, I get more bluesy with just little speckles of major. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there. Yeah. So, but once again, it really depends on the song. Sometimes I'm in a mood to, to be all minor, mm-hmm. you know. So, or, you know, that's when I will grab a minor tuned harp or, you know, probably play more in third position, you know. Um, to get kind of more of a minor effect. But once again, you know, that's just kind of like a, how I do it. You know, the other people have other approaches to it, but, you know, so, but uh, yeah, anyway. No, but I mean, this, this, this is, uh, this is what we're here for. We're, we're here for how you're, you're thinking about it. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's cool. That idea of mixing up the major pentatonic and the blue scale. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been quite formulaic and I, I, I tend to, kind of switch uh between them and and i like the idea of like you know very kind of like i'm playing major pentatonic now i'm playing blue scale now and yeah. <laughs> i feel like you you blend it a lot more naturally uh it's like there's a, a fader that you're switching as you can you, you kind of gradually move to, from between one to the other and it, it it feels a lot more natural um i guess for, for me to practice it i would be probably still be quite mechanical uh and then try and add a little bit more as i got through and i got through a solo maybe over like 12 or 24 bars and um is there anything that uh that you need to watch out for um like chord changes five chords etc yeah yeah going to you can get too crazy with it you know and (laughs) um just always this is another one we hear all the time, but always respect the space and think about sometimes the space between two notes is actually, you know what? Let me rephrase that. The space between two notes is just as important as the notes themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, you know, what that means is like, what is space? Cause I've been asked that question a lot. Like, I've been told I should use more space. I don't know what that means, you know. And I didn't either for the longest time. And people were going, because I played in jazz bands, you know. I played drums in, uh, you know, high school jazz band and in college jazz band. Um, and that was always what they said. No, it needs more space, you know. And they were telling the soloists that all the time. I never understood it. <laughs> um, now I think I have a better idea. But, yeah, it's like, so kind of like how, you know. <laughs> And once again, it's like telling a story. It's like, or telling a good joke. Sometimes little pauses can help the punchline 
be more funny, you know, mm-hmm. or more interesting, or also it's a listening kind of thing, you know, engage your listener. It's a way to engage your listener, even if you're not making eye contact with them sometimes. That always helps. I mean, that makes it <laughs> better. But even if you just kind of doesn't always work, right? If you're in a loud brewery and everybody's drinking and nobody cares. Um, <laughs> oh, we've might... all played those gigs. <laughs> yeah, I know. They're a lot of fun, aren't they? Um, but <laughs> so, um, yeah. The other thing, too, I forgot to mention um, and uh, is it's a bit different, too, when you're playing solo versus playing uh, with a band. Mm-hmm. When, when you're playing with a band, it's a little bit easier to use space because, you know, you, you have you have a good foundation going on behind you. So but when you're playing solo, it's a little bit more bare. And mm-hmm. that's where, you know, that can create a lot of anxiety and, uh, you know, overthinking for sure. You know, so, you know, if that's not your thing, that's OK. You know, um, you know, get some backing tracks and do that kind of stuff. That's always OK. Um, you know, we, it is a good idea to be able to play solo, you know, be able to play at least, you know, and then just to be able to play all the chords, you know, um, we don't really get a five chord altogether, but it's a good way to get into tongue blocking. So then, you know, one whole, one, one, four split draw. There's so many different ways to name it. <laughs> so anyway, just those, yeah. Um, that 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 always kind of helps. But anyway, sorry, I'm getting getting uh, <laughs> getting into ramble mode here. <laughs> no, no, this is this is really interesting and useful. And um, I'm not sure how we're doing for time. Let's have a quick look because uh, I have a I'm question not even now. keeping track actually. I'm not well okay so I, I we're kind of about the 25 minute mark so we'll wrap up fairly okay, soon cool. but I do want to okay. ask you uh, just a little bit more about this idea of improvising uh solo and then improvising mm-hmm. yes. with a band um mm-hmm. so ob- obviously when when you're improvising solo it's entirely down to you to convey what's happening musically in your brain uh, mm-hmm. So that that imaginary band behind you, you're trying to project that to the audience. Um, do you find that when when you're playing with the band, you give yourself a little bit more creative license because the band are doing the job that you know your imagination was doing before? Um, do you get a little bit more crazy? Do you think about it differently, or is it the same? Just yeah, tell me, tell me how how do you think yeah, about it? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, because um, and what you know, it really <clears throat> excuse me, it really depends on the song. You know, it's like um, so. For instance, if we're playing a slow blues, you know, you probably want to keep things not. You don't want to blow people's faces off. You know, um, same thing with like shuffles or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just a uh, huh. I don't know. I don't know if I could really answer that very <laughs> clearly. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of, it's all a mix of everything. Uh, boy, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it, when I do play with the band, I do feel more like I can kind of take my time a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you don't have to come out like totally swinging. 
which I don't think you you really should ever do. Um, maybe if you're doing a festival or something like that, you know, then that's a little bit of a different story. You probably do want to be kind of a little bit more aggressive because mm-hmm. people are there to see a show, you know. So if you're playing at like a brewery, like we said earlier, or just your average club kind of gig, you probably want to, uh, yeah, don't don't blow people's faces off and, you know, try to like cram as many notes. Like once again, it's really about telling a story, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if I were doing this thing and I were talking about this fast and I would, blah, 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 you know, it would, you, we'd, we'd have lost people like right in the first minute of this, you know? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it's really the same thing down the board, you know? Um, but kind of going back away, uh, like when I am playing solo, I'm trying to think like, think like uh like kind of like i mentioned earlier it's like i'm trying to think of like what the drummer would be doing so playing a groove right um not i don't i don't i want to throw this out there too because i've been asked this question it's like is it kind of like beatboxing then i mean sort of but it's really not though because the techniques for beatboxing are different you know you Mm -hmm. use your lips and you're closing your lips a lot so you don't really do that with harmonica because Lips should be totally relaxed and, you know, over the harmonica. So then you have to kind of rely on your more of your tongue, you know, to do kind of more rhythmic kind of stuff for that. So um, being able to just play a, play a groove. So I played a shuffle earlier. So I'm doing draw chords and I'm kind of ghosting a blow chord right there <clears throat> that way you don't really hear the notes of that you're hearing like the percussive sound that mm-hmm. it gives off so what I urge everybody to do is like next time you listen to your favorite harmonica recording like, so next time you listen to Juke or whatever, uh, try only listening to the drums, the drum part. Um, and you'd be amazed what that does. I know it may seem boring at first, but trust me, it'll help. Yeah. And also, that's a good thing for anybody to do that's kind of new to music is try to focus your ears on something uh, something that you don't normally do on a recording. Um, it's really amazing what you can hear in a certain recording if you're if it's either pointed out to you or if you listen very very carefully. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah. So listening to like the drum part or the bass part in you know some of your favorite recordings definitely is a good thing because that'll give you a better idea uh, of what to do groove wise. Also, <clears throat> is a pretty sorry. I got mad allergies today. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I'm not sick. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, learning some sort of simple doesn't have to be extravagant you know some sort of simple hand percussion instrument um, I have like a dozen of them I, but like the, I can't find one now but like an egg shaker you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> any kind of shaker like that that's good because it gets you to feel you know even though it's like in your wrist it gets you to feel the rhythm um, you know Cowbells are a little annoying, but cowbells are kind of a cool one also. Um, but anyway, yeah, just like anything to do. I One thing I tell my students a lot, 
Um, and this really helps with improvising too. It really does is, um, if you're not drumming on your steering wheel, like if you're stopped in traffic, you know, we do this, you and mm -hmm. I do this a lot. Um, especially me cause I'm a drummer, but like, you know, if you're like stopped and you're going, dun, 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 you know, if you're not doing that, you should be, you yeah. know, if, or, you know, cause like I can understand not wanting to dance. I get that. I'm not a dancer either. I've got two left feet and, um, but, you know, just moving, moving to the music is the first step in being able to, uh, one of the first steps in being able to improvise, I think, is you got to feel it. It has to be a feeling. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's that's the other, that's the big thing. So, nice. Um, yeah, I didn't really answer that question as well as I could have, but I mean. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that was good. And I think that's a really, really solid point to, to end on because, <clears throat> Yeah, creating that rhythmic context. Rhythmic context needs to be there all the time. And if you're playing solo or you're playing with a band, it's still important that you have that role of, you know, it, you you are someone who is pushing that that rhythm forward. And if if you mm -hmm. are blessed with an amazing rhythm section behind you, super tight drums and bass, it's wonderful. It's like playing with scaffolding. You know, you feel like yeah. you can't go wrong. <laughs> But That's that doesn't mean that yeah. you're still you're still uh, exempt from you know pushing that rhythm forward and 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 sh you know really explicitly showing it to the audience sometimes. So yeah, I think that that that's a really good point to end on um cool. you've given me a lot of stuff to think about a lot of stuff to practice uh i i've done a, a ton of lessons with with various people and i'm always happy if there's one thing for me to practice when i i leave but you've given me like a million so uh, i'm very cool. very happy <laughs> awesome that's cool this was very, very cool. And yeah, what I'll, I'll do is I'll have lots of links uh, where you can get in touch with, with Hank and find out more about lessons uh, and stuff with him and also listen to his band, the Hank Shreve Band, because uh, they are killer. And you're doing more stuff on your YouTube channel, aren't you? I, yes, I was, I was hoping you would say that. Yeah, um, I could use some more subscribers. I'm actually, I think I'm up to about 300 now. Nice. So, <laughs> uh, it's, but yeah, I could use a little bit more love there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do weekly content if, or at the very least, you know, every couple of weeks. And, you know, I, I try to do like little brief lessons on there and, uh, you know, some jamming and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that is youtube.com slash Hank Shreve, H-A-N-K-S-H-R-E-V-E, like Shreveport. So, awesome. Well, I will yeah. link that up in the show notes below and very much encourage everyone to go and uh, check out the YouTube channel, the band, and just anything, anything Hank Shreve related is, is always awesome. So it needs to be, needs to be checked out. Uh, thank you thank so you. much for, for, for this. It's been absolutely awesome. And hopefully we can do it again at some point. Yes. Thank you, Tomlin. Always a pleasure, man. Cool. All right. Thank you. And I'll catch you soon. Happy harping. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of my harmonica podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast service of choice. And if you're ready to take your harmonica playing to the next level, then you should check out my online harmonica school over at TomlinHarmonicaSchool.com. Happy harping!